0: and welcome to another episode of intention is everything. I am one of your hosts Karen Frazier and with me as always is my friend and my my writer die Cheryl Knight Wilson. Hey Cheryl.
1: Hey Karen how are you doing?
0: Good so I do have to warn you um, they have started building a house next door And therefore I can no longer control the sounds in my environment the way that I have in the past. It's uh, you know, for the most part, Mickey, Mickey sort of ignores them, but every once in a while, something (laughs) happens and he gets super excited. So there may be moments of dog excitement and it's because there's big pieces of equipment just right out, basically right outside my front door. So,
1: well, you know, it's okay because it wouldn't be a show without Mickey
0: Without him either snoring or barking and he is exactly. right now sitting in my lap snoring so that'll come. through.
1: <laughs> so we know it's not you falling asleep. All right, good, good.
0: It is not me. Okay, so Cheryl, I am going to let you introduce our guest.
1: Awesome. I am so excited. I'd like to welcome back to the show Rainbow Ridelli, who first joined us last June to discuss how dance relates to intention, including how dance is a form of meditation and centering oneself. Rainbow is a medicine woman who was trained by her ex-husband, Thunderbow, as well as two mentors, V, who's an African priestess, and Anna, who's an empath and healer. Rainbow's training coincided with many paranormal events she's written about for Paranormal Underground Magazine. And her encounters have included dealings with spirits, UFOs, extraterrestrials, and even cryptids. And the goal of Rainbow's training when she was becoming a medicine woman was to get in touch with her higher source her spirit guides and angels but also getting in touch with cryptids which to me is extremely fascinating and then also she studied dream identification which Karen I know you love yeah um, And a couple of fun facts in her 20s rainbow lived in an 18 foot teepee during many summers over the course of 10 years and she was also a belly dancer for almost 30 years and taught dance for 25 years so i'd like to welcome back rainbow welcome.
0: (laughs) Welcome back Hello Hello and I just got to tell you, I know I probably said this to you last time, but belly dance is no joke, that is. It's, it doesn't, it, it's deceptively, it looks easy. It's not easy.
2: It's natural for our bodies. I, I think when you actually have the right person teaching you and you're in the right environment with your you know, other women dancing, it's something I've seen women actually, I think I said this before, cry, because they didn't think they could do it. And then they found they out they could. And it was so exciting to see them like, Burst into tears of joy. So it's actually, it's very healing too.
0: It is. And that's actually one of the things that I know. And we've probably are retracking a conversation we had. So I'm very sorry. We'll get into other stuff. But <laughs> uh, so I know that the thing that drew me to it when I when I was doing it um, was the the women, the um, women congregating and it, that it's an activity for women, about women, where women can just, where we can be ourselves and express ourselves, um, in, in physical ways. And I like that about belly dance. So it's,
2: it's all about the red tent, you know, the, uh, coming together. And uh, instead of women having this idea, they have to constantly compete. Um, you can kind of come in and, and you can, you can be friends, you can be, um, sisters, not just in dance, but in life. And that's what it's all about is just remembering that there were times in our past where we all got along.
0: Yeah. And hopefully there are more times where we will all get along. I've never felt particularly competitive with other women. And so for me, that sisterhood thing has always been, uh, like important, you know, well,
2: uh, when I got more professional, and when I was dancing in nightclubs, and I was doing concerts, and I was um, doing it more in a business sense, mm-hmm. it got competitive because there's there's a certain few who actually make it in this in the the dance field, and it, it eventually as you kind of climb the ladder, it gets a little uh, more serious and competitive and You've got a I hate to say you have to watch your sticks, but you do You kind of have to watch your back and. um, And then you just kind of have to make sure you're grounded at that point, but it it doesn't take away from the sisterhood at all Um, it just you you have to kind of find your way. In anything and that's just what I did, and I, I found that I really liked just hanging with a bunch of women just talking it wasn't just the dancing it was the talking and it was actually finding a lot in common and I think that's the one thing we're missing today it, well and I, I think we had a rough year last year <laughs> I think a little I bit to that so um but yeah I I loved it I'm I still have students who contact me I'm I've gotten out of it but I loved it
0: yeah well I liked it too. I enjoyed it too. And actually the reason I got out of it is because I was severely anemic and standing up and dancing was really hard to do when you're severely anemic. Um, And then I just never got back into it when I got my blood levels back up to like within a normal person limits. So Cheryl, I know you have questions. So I am going to actually be quiet and let you ask a few questions.
1: Well, you don't have to be quiet, but I will ask a few questions. Rainbow is back on to talk with us about uh, a few things, but one of them is a really interesting topic. Rainbow, you wrote about it for the magazine in November of last year, and it's about what you call dimensional walking. And it's the article itself is really fascinating. Um, you d- describe a couple of experiences in your journey, your dealings with dimensional walking, mm-hmm. and Um, I wanted to start off and ask you if you could explain what that is and then talk about how you came to want to try dimensional walking and why you decided not to proceed with that, the training that you were doing in that area.
2: Wow. Well, I'm going to tell you something that, uh, was pretty amazing. Um, the last time I was on your podcast, something happened. And I think Karen was a part of it (laughs) because I had been blocked and and the block came undone. And then all of a sudden I started to remember everything about dimensional walking, because I I don't know if Karen will remember this, but we talked about vivid dreaming. And you were asking me about what really, what's the difference between dimensional walking and vivid dreaming? Mm -hmm. After the show, it was just like all of this information. I started remembering all this stuff. And I went back to a diary that I had written um, back about, what, 10 to 15 years ago. And I'm just, I'm thinking to myself, how did I forget all this stuff? I mean, so I I think we can actually be re-blocked, even in adulthood. I, I think that whoever is working with our brains can actually block information. Yeah, so, I
0: agree with that. I think we know things in our time when we're supposed to know them.
2: Well, I, I remembered, we remembered. Um, so, it, so that was pretty amazing to me. So then it was just like, whoa, you know, you guys had really just done something amazing for me because I just, all these blocks kind of left. And so what I remembered is that the dimensional walking was what I was trained to do with aliens, with gray aliens. So it started off when I was a child and how I was taught and trained. And I, I remember the discipline that it took to do it. And I remembered how afraid I was and it included a, a lot of strange stuff. Like sometimes I think we would, I would be physically taken. My body would be taking, ta- taken. And then other times I think my dream body would be taken and then, other times I think certain parts of my consciousness were taken. So there were three different ways that they would take me. And I, I remember um, when I was very young, probably about seven or eight that I would I'd be very excited because they made it more exciting at that age because they, they kind of made it into uh, fun games. And I remember I would be out all night and then I would co- come back home and I'd be exhausted in the morning and I just didn't have what it took to go to school. So what I remembered from the dimensional walking was it was a specific training that they wanted us to do that was um, had a lot to do with telepathy. It had uh, levitation. It had to do with being able to um, go specific places in any type of vehicle, meaning body, mind, Uh, or, or dream body, physical body, whatever, whatever they needed us to do, we were going to, they wanted us to learn how to do that. And so all that came back to me. And I thought, well, that is, you know, that's, that's really crazy. And then, uh, so I learned it as a child. And I think I'm, I don't know if I had mentioned this, I don't think I did. um, Because the last time it was all about dance, but um, a good example of what I was able to do when I was young was levitation. And I actually did levitation when I was six years old in the schoolyard at a Catholic school that I was going to. And oh,
0: I bet that went over well.
2: Well, I had a couple girls I was playing with and I started levitating up. And, and I just kind of levitated up and I jumped down and they were freaked out and scared. And one little girl said, why are you doing that? You shouldn't do that. If you do that, we won't be your friend. And I looked at her really crazy. And I said, can't you do this? Because I was around probably about seven other kids who could, boys and girls. Because we would be taken during the day as well as night to work with greys to learn how to levitate. So uh, I, I looked at the the little girls and I and I said, well, I, I just assumed everybody could do this. And they they freaked out, they screamed, they ran. And then all, I didn't have any friends. And um, this would happen to be the school that I was taken from to the military base in Albuquerque. Um, and I'm not mentioning the base just because it's probably better that I don't. But I was also taken um, over to Los Alamos as well. And that's the area where they would take us and teach us how to levitate. And um, what was really interesting about that is they would have soldiers around the perimeter. And then each one of us was with uh, an alien and it was gray, a gray alien. And then we'd have to sink in with them uh, telepathically. And then they would, we would learn how to, to levitate. And I remember sometimes I would lose it and I drop to the ground and in my elbows and my knees were killing me. I would get scraped up, and I don't even know what my mom thought at the time because I'm yeah you know, I'm coming home bruised up. But that was just a part of it. and and then I started realizing that other things that they were having me do. and um and then when I talked to Thunderbow about all of this that was happening, he realized that, well, then possibly, He could take it a step further and guide me into the dream world and and have me do certain things um, with the dimensional walking, because I think it wasn't just um, it. I don't think it had to do with just regular dreams, it had to do with technique and the ability to go in and do stuff, and I think a lot of it had to do with MKUltra. I think it had to do with just taking children and learning to to teach them how to do really amazing things. And I think it's also generational. I think that from my parents, both sides, that they check up on each generation to check to see if a specific generation is able to um, do things. And so I don't think I was the only one. I think my older sister, um, she had a couple of years of missing time At the same school she can't remember anything about being at that school so i think my two older sisters and i have had experiences it just depends on if we remember them so the dimensional walking is really i believe training from the, the ets and and that's kind of i i think where it started from
0: but for what purpose why um why Why would you, why would they want you to learn it? Is it a consciousness raising thing? Is it a, why?
2: Well, um, I think that with children, if they can see their potential, then they'll pick them as young adults to go into the military. And I think from that point on, then they take the kids and they work with their abilities. Um, I've known, I've had people that I've known where they um, had abilities um, to be able to stay underwater for a really long time. Um, There's others who have just the ability to to run really fast, faster than uh, the average person. So I, I think that not just the physical aspect of these children, if they have something that they can do that's unique, but I think they also look for the kids who are psychic. And um, I think that my sisters and I had that because we're part, you know, Celtic, part Celtic. We have that ability. Um, and it was really natural just to hang with the, the grays and they didn't scare me and I, I had seen them for quite a while. So um, I, I don't know if my sisters remember, my older sister is starting to remember, but my middle sister, I don't think she's remembering as much.
0: So when you say the military, you mean like the U.S. military?
2: Oh, yeah. And I think also black ops, Um, for instance. um, When I I would say back about um, seven to eight years ago, uh, I started having something happen that was really intense and it was happening a lot. And what I was able to do or what I was doing um, is I was coming into another body and I could feel the body, the arms, the legs, everything, and I could see through the eyes, but I knew that it wasn't my body. And I would be going and experiencing stuff that normally I wouldn't experience. And some of it had to do with um, uh with politics and that's as far as i'll go there because I, I don't want to say anymore because um we decided that it's probably safer than i, I don't but i think that it, it taught the the aspect of the doppelganger is a little bit different here so it, i think what happened was just this ability to transcend your consciousness into another body um it, i wouldn't call it an avatar but i i think that what they, they were actually training us to do is be able to go in, into any location, take our consciousness, be able to go and do it, or even go into locations um, and be in rooms, be able to see stuff. And I, I think it, it had a lot to do with the peculiar training that they had us doing. I mean, it's really hard to explain um, because I know the dimensional walking really is something different than vivid dreaming. Um, yeah. it, and it's, it's really, it's a tough one for me to even explain because I, I'm really starting to take the, the blocks away from what I had been doing from childhood. And, and it's, it's actually scary to, to, that's another thing that I, I would like people to know is this is scary yeah. because when i remember stuff from when i was a kid even up until like even five years ago i mean there's some things that i can do in the dream state that's pretty phenomenal um but i was trained to do it that's the difference i i just i'm not i i think my whole family many people are dreamers and we have vivid dreams but i mean i was trained to do specific stuff in dreams and where that training came from again, is from what I remember the, the grace teaching me.
0: Well, I mean, so what you're saying makes a certain level of sense to me and I'll tell you why. Um, so I have a friend who was in the kind of the men who stare at goats program. He was, yeah. And so, and, and he is somebody that, I mean, I know him to be incredibly sane. I know him to be incredibly intelligent and, um, I know that this is a thing that happened, right? And he and remote viewing is a protocol that you learn. Remote viewing isn't a skill. It's a protocol that you learn to be able to. And so this seems like an extension of that. What you're telling me sounds like an extension of that. Um, what's really interesting is as I'm talking to you about this, I actually right now have full body chills. Oh, wow. Which tells me that that, I mean... For me, that's a, a kind of a, a barometer for me, that full body chills thing is that, that I believe what you're telling me. And I, because I know a lot of people are going to be like, yeah, right. <laughs> um, but so, so I, 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 what he did was different, but the military did that, right? If they did that, of course they, if they, if they have the ability to do this, of course they're going to, but um, but the other thing I was thinking about as you as you were talking is that there's a, a Netflix show right now, which I'm sure you are aware of behind her eyes, which is about the uh, um, people who can astrally travel. And have, are you not aware of it?
2: No, I I, no, I I have Netflix. I have to look for that.
0: Yeah, it's a, it's like a drama series, right? But it's, um and it's based on a book or something. And it's, it's more like murdery and sinister, because they've turned it into something that's very frightening, because that's what sells in Hollywood, um and in books and things like that. But it's, it's interesting, because that's, as you were talking about it, that's kind of the first thing that came to my mind. But these were people who, and they followed these protocols so that they could astrally travel. So, you know it's out there in the consciousness, and it's interesting that you're getting these memories and you're talking about this. And there is, I mean, it's just been released like in the last couple of months or the last month or so. There's this Netflix show. I think it's called. It's either In Her Eyes or Behind Her Eyes. Cheryl, do you know? Have you seen it? I have um, not. I have not seen it or heard of it. Well, God, maybe it. Maybe it's not real. Maybe I didn't see it. <laughs> I'm pretty sure I saw it. Um, But it's interesting that you're having these memories and stuff like this, you're starting to see stuff like this come into the consciousness as well. So why, why is stuff like this suddenly coming into consciousness where people are like consuming it as an entertainment even?
2: Well, I, I truly believe that whenever there's a crisis happening on the planet, whenever there's a lot of discord and we've experienced that, uh, for quite a while as as a culture as as a uh, humans on this planet together and i think that when people get to a certain point to where they're they're stressed out and and exhausted um then they kind of it's it's this thing where i believe you let your guard down and i think once and and i think that we all try to protect ourselves we have that bubble around us and i think once you you get a little exhausted emotionally, physically, spiritually, um, that you, and mentally you just, your guard goes down. And I think people are able to kind of go a little further when they've ever allowed themselves to go. And then, you know, for me last year was uh, horrible because I lost both my parents. Um, and I didn't lose them to, um, the virus. I lost my father, christmas eve of 2019 and then my mom 44 days later so i wasn't even able to grieve my dad without losing my mom oh i'm so sorry well you know it's just what happened i mean they were married for many years and we knew mom wouldn't last very long without dad they were married 61 years or going on 61 so that's a long time and that happens to a lot of couples but that coupled with you know, the virus and, and we had the fires here and, and all that stuff. It was just a really rough year here, you know, in, in Oregon. But I think that 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 kind of broke down some of my, my barriers that I might've had for me. And I think for other people on the planet con- who are dealing with whatever stuff they're dealing with is it's eventually get to the point to where you just can't block stuff out anymore that you, you break that barrier. And I think that the barriers were broken when I actually talked with you guys that first podcast, because that's when I started having these memories coming back. And then I think it was just more stuff happening. So I, I think all of us are the same. When we have things happening in our lives, um, we or, or some extreme experience where we're, we're emotionally distraught, that kind of brings down barriers. I mean, that's just what I think. Yeah, I totally agree.
1: When you're put into uh, a situation with a lot of adversity, it's really funny how resilient people can be. And I think that there's something to be learned from these situations. But I have so many questions (laughs) uh, off topic, but like when you levitate how, what, how do you do it? Do you have to like set some type of intention? Yeah, I got to get
0: me some of that levitating thing. I
1: know like, wow. How cool is that? Like I can do that in my dreams, but not like when I'm awake. So how do you, how did you do that? Do you remember?
2: I, I was six. So I haven't done it since I was six, but, um, what I remember was, um, and, and actually I've used this, I've actually done this when I played pool. I know that sounds crazy. But it has to do with your third eye, and it has to do, and I I noticed something strange happens to my eyesight. Um, my my eyesight, um, it's almost like something clicks, like a light light switch clicks, and I can zero in and focus. And uh, I just remember that as a child, I was able to just go to my third eye and just click something on, and then I was just able to get my my body to follow what my brain said to do and i i noticed that every once in a while when i would be playing pool and i was betting for money that i can do this thing where i click with my my eyes and i focus with my third eye and i can do shots that i normally can't do so not only can i levitate but and it doesn't happen all the time but when i don't want to lose that money i'll i'll go in there and i'll Play pool, and I can I can make a shot that's crazy, and people and I I'd be playing horrible that you know all night. But when it comes down to the money part and wanting to win, I've had people go, "You just didn't make that shot," and I'm like, "Well, you know, yeah, I just did." <laughs> and every once in a while, I can do it. And I did it one time also when I was playing a video game when I was 16. I was able to, to make the video game do crazy stuff with my mind. And so it, 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 it's the same characteristic as it is with mind manipulation. I, I it's just a weird feeling that I get in, in, you know, it's in your third eye and something to do with the, the pituitary gland and the pineal gland. So I think it has to do with those two things where they, you, you just focus on a certain part of your brain and in because there's parts of our brain probably that we don't even use, and they may have taught me how to use those, you know, some small part of my brain to be able to do it.
0: But, Actually, you know. I have a sense of what it might be.
2: Pardon me?
0: I think I have a sense of what it might be, if you don't mind me positing a, a, a do, thought here. Go for it. So um, before you said pineal gland, that's what I was thinking is pineal gland. And um, I think, I believe that the pineal gland, first of all, the pineal gland is deeply connected to your third eye and to your higher self. And I think that that's where we have the filter in place that keeps us rooted in the eye that is ego versus the we that is source energy, right? And so I think what you learned was something to Remove that filter temporarily, or flip that switch temporarily, because I think that's what the pineal gland is—is is, um, a switch to yeah. that switches you from I, the small I, this, which is self, to the big we.
2: No, I agree with you. Yeah, yeah, it, and and it's really interesting too, it's my eyes change, and I don't—I couldn't tell you if the pupil gets dilated if it's bigger or not, but I know that just before something is going to happen, when I focus in on this, that, that I can feel the change in my eyes. And so um, it's, it's almost like a part of me is in preparation for something to happen. So it's, it's like they taught me to, to um, it, it's, it's like the warm up before I start doing something. And so I know when I, I feel that, I feel that like switching my eye happening when something I don't even know what happens because I've never seen my eyes when it happens um that that I'm going to be able to do something but I can't do it all the time and and it's really sad because I, I really wish that those little girls that if I wouldn't have wanted to fit in so bad and have friends um I i I just decided at that point, well, I'm never going to do it again. And I know I, I remember getting in trouble because I wouldn't even levitate when I was with the, the great companion that I had. I just wasn't going to do it because I didn't want to be different than the other kids. And you know, and I was stubborn that way. And I remember actually one time in, in a levitation class outside in the forest in the back area of Los Alamos, I do remember running and uh, I, mean, I thought I could outrun the, the soldiers or whoever, and I remember being caught and I remember getting in trouble. Um, so I, I just, at that point in time, I just realized I wanted to be like other little kids, you know, it just, it, it just was something that I, I wanted. And so I, maybe I can, I can, figure out how to relearn how to do that now. I, I probably, if, if I put my mind to, I probably can. Um, But I think that with everything that you learn, that is, uh, that where you don't have someone working with you and, and, and and making sure there's the the safety net, it's, it can be a little scary because when I had written an article for paranormal underground and, uh, and I, I know that that she, when I sent it to Cheryl, I said this was just crazy that this happened to me. Um, I really, literally, almost didn't come back from that experience, and that scared the bejesus out of me because I, I did everything possible just to come back into my body, and and, and so I know that this is all connected to each other, and I don't know enough about anything, even if I do remember. Where is the safety net and all of that? There's no guidebook to it. There's there's no person who, who can bring me back if if I can't come come and find my way back. So so the levitation has everything to do with going into other places in the dream world. It has everything, it's all connected, is is all I, I know. At this point, I know it's all connected. So maybe that's the aspect of the alien mind that um, we're all searching for because I think we have their DNA in us. So maybe it's just remembering that, that aspect of who we are. I mean, this is maybe out there, but I don't think that that you, either one of you could not do what I do. I think we all three can do it. It's just that, just remembering that alien aspect of who we are, that DNA of who we are. Maybe that's what the their training was for. Um, I don't think that' it's, it's I'm human, and the the aliens are separate from me. I always felt there was a connection there. and maybe there's there's a they're the future of us or or maybe there's a connection somehow in our DNA.
1: so you you just brought up um the the article that you wrote for the magazine back in November about um, it's it's my perils with dimensional walking and how you almost got, Stuck in somebody else's was it wasn't you it was somebody else if I understand it correctly correct you almost got stuck in another life in another dimension is that right yes yeah
2: Yeah, I didn't plan on that happening I mean it was like it was an experience where as you start remembering this kind of stuff that that's that's the danger of remembering because stuff like this can happen but but also I have to say I did something very stupid. And I had a dream before that where I was taken into a cave and I was told to, they showed me a rock and they said, and the person said, rainbow, this is the rock you need to get. And you need to put this under your pillow. And I woke up and I went, well, that was pretty exciting because I saw the rock. It was really pretty, it had rainbow colors in it. And um, they, they showed me what it looked like or what it should look like. And so I went to the rock store, gem and mineral store, probably a couple of days after that. And I went in and I couldn't find anything exactly like what I saw. But labradorite was the closest thing I, I saw. So I got a big piece of labradorite and I came home. And normally what I do is I'll put whatever new stone that I get on my selenite. I have a huge piece of selenite. And I'll leave it there for a couple of days to let it cleanse off, you know, different energies and stuff that have, have it's accumulated. That's not mine. But I didn't do it. I think I I just I I was just in a weird frame of mind. I know better, shame on me. But I just went ahead and put it under my pillowcase. <laughs> and I went, oh, this is gonna be interesting. So I go, I I go to sleep and I noticed that my dreams were taken over by somebody else. They weren't mine and they were a little dark. And I thought, well, this is crazy. This is interesting. But but the researcher in me just finds stuff like that interesting. It's just like, okay, well, they're not my dreams. Who are they? And so probably two weeks after I put the stone under my pillow, uh, I, I went to bed as like I normally do. And I woke up in another bed. And I'm telling you, I literally woke up in another bed, but I was in a different body. And I, I got up from the bed and the, the house was positioned exactly like my house. There were some differences though. And so uh, I got up from the bed and I'm thinking, this is, you know, why am I in these weird pajamas? I I crazy, crazy stuff like that that you think about, but I'm like, I don't remember these pajamas. And then I remember I felt taller. I had short hair, like sandy blonde hair. And I, I'm like, what happened? Did I die? And did I go into another body? I was just so freaked out. So I go running through the house, trying to get my center, center myself. I wanted to center myself. And I looked in the kitchen and my stove was on the wrong side. And I went and I touched the stove. I'm telling you to, I touched the stove. It was cool, cold metal. And I'm like, there's a guy in the kitchen. And I said, what is this doing over here? It should be over there. And he was the husband of this person whose body I invaded. And he said, it's always been over on this side. He said, what's wrong with you? And I went and saw the family room. It was all different. So I went, oh. God, what's happened? So I thought, well, I got to go back to bed and I got to wake up in my other body. So I go past walking past this guy who was irritating me and and, and, ta- and, and asking me what was wrong with me. And I'm like, and I just didn't want to answer him because I thought I don't know who you are. I'm just going to go back to bed. So I went back to went over into the bedroom, got in bed. And I was trying to pull the covers up and I knocked with my right elbow a bunch of books off of a side table. And I felt the books, they fell. I mean, I, I touched everything. I touched everything. And all I know is that I was freaking out and I closed my eyes and he's asking me questions. And I, I, just, I just locked him out, closed my eyes. And I had to work really hard to get back into this body. And I woke up. In a panic. And I'm looking around and I'm in my room and it's me and there's Michael and there's the animals and my cat sleeping on the by the foot of the bed. And I freaked out and I thought, that is just very scary. So I, I got up, got a drink of water, used the bathroom and went back to bed and thought, well, it was probably just something really weird that happened. I go to sleep, immediately wake up in the other woman's body. And I'm, I couldn't believe it. So I'm sitting up in bed and, um, so oh, I forgot the, the, the husband of this woman was trying to tickle me and I don't like to be tickled. I don't care what life, <laughs> what body I'm in. <laughs> I don't like to be tickled. I hate it. And so I got really mad at him for tickling me because it just, it, didn't, it was, I don't like it. But anyways, um, so I felt the tickle. I felt him touching me. And so I I I got up and I was walking around and he thought he was gonna probably have to, you know, I don't know, call the doctor or the ambulance or whatever. I go all the way into the family room and I'm trying to look around and trying to get my bearings. And I noticed that where I have a bunch of windows, which is these over well, you can't see, but it's I have windows to my right. Um there was a wall where a bathroom. Should have been it wasn't there was you know everything was just off. There's a little dog yapping in the backyard where the sliding glass doors were. I thought you know I'd never have a dog like that. I love dogs and I don't you know I don't care what size they are. I love every dog, but I thought I would never allow my dog to yap like that. So anyways, I went running back into the bedroom, and the second time I tried to close my eyes and get out of that body and come back into this one was even harder. And what, but what was really weird and, and Karen, I think you might find this interesting is that I felt both beds. I felt her bed and I felt my bed. I felt her sheets and I felt my sheets and I felt half her body and half my body before I came all the way into my body in, in this life. And then I I sat up and I just really couldn't go to sleep after that because I was so freaked out. So yeah, of course, obviously what I did is I took the rock (laughs) my pillow and I put it, I put it over on my altar and I said, Enough, I've had enough of this. But that's that was something that I just didn't expect to experience. And that was something stuff like that happened to me with Thunderbow. And one of the last experiences like that with Thunderbow. Which was in my late twenties, um, he decided that we should never do it again, and then here it happened on its own because of just some. I don't, I don't know even know what opened it up. I know the rock helped obviously, but you know I'm smart. I, I normally don't let someone tell me what to do in a dream. So the people who told me to get this this stone this the right, I should have questioned it, and I didn't. Um, it I don't it's, I, it must have been in a mind fog or something but um after having that experience I realized that you know there's a lot happening right now that's maybe it's a sign of the times um, as a medicine woman I should have known better to, to just put something like that under my pillow shame on me but that that has a lot to do with what dimensional walking is so
0: I'm curious so so I've I've thought about a lot of things as you were sharing your story and thank you. It's super interesting. Um, Do you think that this other person was in this world or were they in an alternate dimension, parallel universe?
2: I believe that, that you, that there's a lot of questions, obviously Mm -hmm. I believe that that was another dimension. Okay. Parallel to this one. Okay. My question is, where did she go if I was in her body? Yeah, that was
0: the next thing I was going to ask you is what the heck was she experiencing? Or is it you in a different dimension, a multi dimensional aspect of you, and where your awareness goes, your experience goes right? So was it simply your awareness flipping over to this other aspect of you in a different dimension?
2: That's the, the million dollar question. I mean, that's, that's experiences like this. I mean, are just the beginning of thousands of questions, aren't they? Yeah. But
0: that's what makes them so cool. Right. I mean, scary for sure. But at the same time, you know, that's the stuff that has me lay awake at night, looking at the ceiling and thinking, huh?
2: <laughs> well, it, I think the, the one thing that I, I realized with this experience is that uh, um, that I was able to come back, that I was and, and I was able to choose yes. my awareness where I wanted it to be. And so in, in that regard, that was a good thing.
0: And maybe that's the takeaway. Yeah, is is but so at, the other thing aspect of it is labradorite. Um, I'm guessing that the reason is I'm, I'm thinking the stone you probably saw was spectrolite, which is a form of labradorite, but it's far more intense. Um, and but I labradorite acts on the pineal gland,
2: mm-hmm.
0: so we're back to the pineal gland again.
2: Right. Yes. And, and I found out, and this is why I'm saying I had a brain fog. I looked up everything after I had this experience and that's just not like me. Usually I'm a good little researcher and I'll write stuff down ahead of time and I'll know all this stuff, but I, I looked, you know, I, I did stuff after the fact, after the experience. And I, I guess I just didn't think that I'd have, I'd have an experience like that, but I think that people have to understand that there's so much more to us than just what we're experiencing in this reality. I mean, if, if you take what you had said, Karen, that, um, maybe it was another me in another dimension mm-hmm. that how many other dimensions do we have? I mean, well, how- it depends
0: on, you know, I mean, I think it's, there's something like 11 folded dimensions or something. I don't remember the exact number right now, but, um, Yeah, you know, to me, that's what's so fascinating about all of this and everything that's been going on in the last year is I think it's um, either a new dimension opening up somewhat or um, kind of a melding of some of the dimensions that we're not aware of. And it's sort of bleeding over because all of the noise of our lives, right? has Mm -hmm. been quieted. So I don't know, lots of stuff to think about.
2: Well, what one thing that came to my mind and I, and I, I'm wondering what both of your opinion is on this is, you know, how people say that they say people die in their sleep. Well, do you think that when somebody dies in their sleep, that they just go into one of these other dimensions and then they take their awareness into another body in another dimension?
0: Maybe, I mean, I think we're multidimensional beings. I think that what we experience of ourselves moving through the dimensions of space, you know, uh, the three dimensions of space and then time um, is, I think that that's the filter we have applied so that we can have the human experience. Um, and I believe our souls are multidimensional and that they probably do incarnate. So I tend to, okay, so I tend to believe that um, the uh, multi multiple worlds interpretation of of the universe that every time there's a, a decision to be made the universe splits um and so and the experience that you believe you're having is simply because that's where your awareness is so maybe i mean Yes, but I also think that when people die in their sleep, I think that they they return to their soul state, but other aspects of their soul are still living within those other dimensions. So there's a good possibility, I suppose, that that somebody may flip over into another dimension, but I've never had, like in all of the medium work I do and stuff, when people come and communicate with me, I've never had somebody say, well, I died and I wound up in a in a different body, you know, so... I'm not saying it couldn't happen. That might be. And maybe the reason I'm not hearing from those is because their attention is moved into that different body. But, oh, what a disorienting experience that would be to take your current awareness into a different existence.
2: Well, and and adding to that, too, um, what would have happened? Well, my question, too, is this. What happened to my body here while I was in this other person's body?
0: Yeah. I was like, thinking about that too. Yeah.
2: Well, I mean, it, it,
0: well, did the other, did the other awareness of the body you went in? So, so I think because you had the awareness of the two places at once that suggests to me that it was another, um, another iteration of you of mm-hmm. the whole packet of soul energy that makes up all of you. Right. Because you had that multiple awareness. So, my guess is that the body that you went into had the awareness of being in yours, but maybe they didn't wake up or who knows? Yeah. Anything happened, Cheryl?
1: Anything could happen. My brain is about to explode right now. Thanks, you two. I mean, I find this whole thing extremely fascinating. Except for you were, you know, that the one experience was extremely scary for you. But you hear about stories of people driving into another dimension. You know, they're in their car, they're going about their business, and then all of a sudden they're somewhere they don't recognize. They're like, "How did I get here? This is not anything I'm familiar with." And then I'll, and then they somehow find their way back. You know, into their dimension. And then going into it, I I do believe that in dreams you can travel. To, to different dimensions, if you will. So I think that's extremely fascinating. And then what happens when you're there to who you are here? That's a whole nother scenario that I wish I could answer. you know, It's, it's, it's just an extremely fascinating thing. And the, going back to where we started with the, the uh, military training, I just saw something the other night, an interview with somebody on TV where they were talking about their involvement in a government program years ago, where they were doing remote viewing for the government. They were describing how they would do it and what they would do with that ability to affect things in other places. And it's just an amazing concept that our minds have so much power and, and, and they can do so many things. It, it's It's just fascinating to me. There's, there's, I don't even know where to go because... I cannot grasp, like Karen, you have a good grasp on quantum physics and such. I have, I I wouldn't say good. I would (laughs) say I have a basic awareness of some of the concepts. It just seems like this is probably all something that we can do, but we haven't been trained. We haven't learned how to do it. And I think it's paranormal because we haven't given it the attention that I think we could give it
0: it's paranormal until it becomes normal. Right. Um, But see, for me, rainbow, I think that the um, and maybe you do this. So when I have the experience, I let myself be in the experience because those experiences are always really fascinating to me. Right. And I, I, so um, most of them, I like some of them, not as much. But when I have the experience, I let myself be in the experience. And then afterwards, what I start to think is, okay, why did I give myself this experience? Why did I receive this experience? Um, and what am I supposed to do with it? So do you think that there's something that you're supposed to do with this?
2: Well, that's a good question. Uh, I'm, I think I'm the eternal student in, in the medicine way. And I... I do know that for a while I was neglecting my duty as far as as my path. I I wasn't um, I wasn't walking my path like I I used to. And and I think sometimes when you don't do what you're supposed to, um, you you kind of get taught a little lesson to to get you back on track. And I think that with that experience. Um, I realized that there was a lot of training that I had gone under when I was younger. And uh, for me, it's just learning to unblock what has I've been hiding from and maybe maybe blocks too aren't just like something put up in front of us. Maybe it's us hiding from um, what we what we've experienced in our lives. And I think I kind of walked away a little bit and I think it was just hey you you can't really walk away from your path and not have consequences, and so it was a a good learning experience in in that regard. In another in another way. um, I'm very. conscious of. Who might be behind the training and so. My concern, and this is maybe a strange concern, but it, it's there nonetheless, that if I remember more and I'm able to do more, is anybody watching? Are they able to see that I'm, I'm able to do all this stuff? And it was like, who was the person or who were the people? Because there was two who told me to find this rock. And so was it a test? Was it, well, what will Rainbow do? Will she do this or not? Um, why was it did it take two weeks to have that experience after I had the rock under my pillow? So for, for me, it, like I, I said earlier, there's a thousand more questions that I have from that one experience. Um, and, and obviously, who were the who, who were the voices that I heard and the people who are with me who told me to get this the stone? and who were they i mean are they were they alien were they human were they figment of my imagination were they from another you know dimension i mean the questions are there you know what i'm saying
0: i mean i think the answer is all of the above yeah well, i I, guess- I don't think it's just one thing because and like you said earlier there is no separation right and so the there's that similar thread. Um, we're made of the same stuff. So if they're aliens, mm-hmm. we're made of the same stuff. We still all come from the same source. We all return to the same source and we have the energy of that source running through us. And so I, ultimately who told you to do it was you and who are the people behind it is you. However, in the human existence and in the spectrum of being a human being who's telling you to do it may not be a part of you that you are aware of you know because it it could be it could be you know some major general in the army or it could be you know and and ultimately that person is an aspect of yourself but in in the human ego
2: experience it's not well i had a really interesting experience um Years ago, that uh, similar to this one, but a little bit different. And in regards to who's a part of this experience, as far as who's in the training, who's doing what, who's in, who's how, how they keep track of people, children growing up into adults or whatever. Um, the, I had a particular experience where um, I had gone through intensive training to do something specific that um a dark op a a black ops group wanted done and they were training me from the time I was a kid on up until I was in my 30s and I just would never do this one thing they wanted me to do. And in this particular um dream sequence that I had I was walking in a forest and there were men in black vehicles. They were, um, I don't know if they were FBI or whatever they were, but they, they were um, men who were just standing by these, these, these SUVs, these cars, these vehicles. I was walking down a path and I saw a woman with a young girl and she was trying to talk this little girl into doing something that she just did not want to do. And I went bingo. I've been there. I remember having my handler, handler, be there and saying, you can do this and me not wanting to do it. I just didn't want to do it. And so this little girl wasn't going to have anything to do with whatever it is that this one wanted her to do. And, and I, I, I looked at that and I don't know if that was necessarily um, a memory of, of me as a child, but I saw this, I walked down this path. There's this strange, there's a bench and there's all these Weird, metaphysical, symbolic type of artifacts on this this table, this wooden table, and what we were supposed to do is we were supposed to um, jump, tuck, roll, levitate, touch the top golden. Um, it was pure gold, twenty four karat gold, um, and it, I think it was Egyptian um, symbol, and then flip. And drop on our feet, then tuck and roll. And then the tucking and rolling would get us to actually um portal jump into another location. And there were two women, and I remember they were uh they were FBI. And I I remember this little girl, she was probably about 12 or maybe 10. She actually did everything. She jumped, tucked, rolled, levitated, touched this this Egyptian, um, artifact and dropped down. And then she, she, she was, um, she, when she talked, she kind of got into a little, uh, uh, what is it? She was rolling and then she just disappeared. And I, I went, you know what they, I, I'm in my thirties and my God, they keep asking me to do this and this is ridiculous. So I just thought, well, you know what, I'm just going to do it. And I was in my 30s when I did this actual. I was I, that was the age I was in. And so I went and I did it. I I jumped, tucked, rolled, levitated, touched the, the uh Egyptian artifact, uh, jumped down on my knee my, on my legs, and then I I dropped down, tucked, and rolled, and then I I just teleported into the Pentagon. And I know that's gonna sound strange to some people, but I was in the Pentagon and I had twigs, leaves, everything in my hair. I was all dirty and I saw, um, this one hallway of the Pentagon and I was just so extremely thrilled. I had finally done this one thing they had wanted me to do. I, I couldn't believe I did it. I saw a woman who was had a, there was a tour group and I saw this woman and how she was dressed and her, and and she was, talking with a a group of people and she had a shock look on her face when she looked at me. Other people were looking at me really funny, but what was really interesting is I, as I, I teleported into the, this one part of the Pentagon, I actually knew the room I was supposed to go to, to um, all the people who were, who, who did this one thing that day. We're supposed to go to this one specific room and I knew what the room was. And then all of a sudden it just faded out. And I realized that that it's not just the, the alien training, it's all this other stuff connected that's has to do with other cultures. And if you look at the Egyptian artifact and all these other artifacts that were on this table, you have to wonder how how all this takes place. Um how why was it important to go over these? These art all all of these artifacts on this table. Why it was important to levitate, and and why I saw agents, maybe FBI, CIA. I don't even know. I mean, I, I I know that these two were FBI. I knew that for sure because I remembered them. But it's it's like stuff like that. You know, that it's not just aliens. It's it's the military, but it's other, you know, government agencies as well. And, you know, you have to be careful when you say that, but on the other hand, um, because I was able to do this one thing, I always felt that it just, it, it took some kind of stress off my shoulders because I was able to do it. So how does that play in the dimensional walking aspect? You know, that's, that's the whole, that, that's why I'm saying this just causes a thousands and thousands of questions more so than, than before. I know, and sadly,
0: my biggest question is: You were thirty years old. How did you tuck and roll? I did a cartwheel
2: when I was thirty, and I'm still dizzy. <laughs> I, I, I have. I guess you know what I was like. Damn! If this little ten or twelve year old can do it, I can do this. So, <laughs> I, <laughs> so but it was. This was something that um, they had been trying to get me to do since I was six. Wow! And I do it. So I'm in my thirties mind you. And I finally just decided to do it.
1: Wow. And I don't
2: know how. It just, the levitation part and, and, and touching the top of this Egyptian artifact was just really weird. Um, But it's, it's stuff like that, that makes me wonder. (laughs) I don't even know what to say. (laughs) Well, it just makes you wonder. I mean,
1: yeah.
0: Right.
2: Yeah. Yeah.
1: Uh, And, what show was it paranormal con camera whatever show it was where they showed video captures of people phasing into reality out of nowhere and they just they just phase right in and it can be in the middle of the street it can be here it can be there and it's like okay
2: what if you phase into the wrong spot i don't know know. i mean but think about those people who who saw me just appear in the pentagon I mean, what were they thinking? Well, I mean, they probably, uh,
0: I think that (laughs) when we see something like that, we logic it away. I think we see things like that all the time. I really do. Um, and we just sort of, uh, you know, we we rewrite the history of what we experienced in it so that it makes sense to us. Because, you know, our memories aren't stored like in one spot, like a little clip of movies, right? They're sorted and stored in all these various places in our brain. And so human memory is so easy for us to mess with or for anyone else to mess with that, that my guess is, is that somebody in the moment was like, holy crap, and then later that's I mean they it's something totally different in their mind that happened yeah. that day now
1: yeah absolutely yeah. I think about things you've experienced that are paranormal and and as time goes on you just start explaining them away as well this could it could have been this it could have been that I do that all the time and I, the reality, I am aware I know in my mind that it no it wasn't what I'm ex- explaining it away <laughs> as. On that note, I know we've gone over time, and we could talk for a million years with Rainbow. But um, now that we're at the end of the show, I we like would have be-
0: to go to the bathroom eventually.
1: <laughs> eventually. <yeah. laughs> Let's talk about a few things you do dealing with intention. Whether that be you know working with crystals or just uh, writing in your journal every day. Can you just share a few things you do dealing with intentional
2: practices? Well, I, I try to be grateful. I think that's so important and especially losing my, my parents. uh, I'm grateful for um, the past, the present and the future. And I try to intend being um, in the moment and just being healthy and just to intend that live and let live kind of mentality Um, and and intending also peace and harmony because we all, need that. And I think the my favorite um stones that I use, I, I like selenite a lot. That's that's my favorite, only because it can absorb the negative energy. And I like tiger eye and I have tiger eye around my my doors. I like rose quartz to speak my truth. Um and, and to ten, to intend speaking my truth. I think that we all need to intend our truth and and to to say what we need to say and I I just think that if we intend a better world, we're going to be living in it. I
0: agree. I like it very much.
2: All right. So if people, so people, what issue
0: was your story in um, with the magazine? Cheryl, do you know?
1: Um, the one we were talking about, with dealing with dimensional walking, was in November of 2020. But Rainbow writes all the time for the magazine, right? So, and you will love her her articles about her paranormal experiences. I mean, they are always my favorite. So you should check them out.
0: <laughs> Rainbow, do you have like a website or social media or something where people who want to learn more about you or connect can go catch up to you?
2: Yeah, well, I have an email. It's dimensional walking at gmail.com and dimensional walking is all one word
0: thank you for coming back on i'm really sorry about your parents it's it's hard to lose parents and to lose them both that short is my heart goes out to you um you have a beautiful
2: way so i'm i'm happy they're together
0: yes you have a beautiful dog behind you what's your dog's name
2: uh that is rocky
0: and what kind of dog is rocky
2: Rocky is part Doberman and Red Healer. Rocky is super chill. Uh-huh. Oh, she is. Yeah, she hangs with me all the time. And then I had my cat. He was uh, trying to jump up. Mm-hmm. I have a couple cats that uh, usually will come around, but he he's over on the other side. So
0: <laughs> well, yeah. thank you for joining us, and you are always welcome back. Um, oh, thank, you thank you for, you for being our
2: first time. repeat customer.
1: Thank you. Thank you
2: so much.
1: Anything else, Cheryl? No, I just want to thank Rainbow for coming back. And um, it's been a fascinating conversation. I wish um, we had more time because I have a million questions, but that's fine. We'll do it again another time.
0: I know we're all going to lay awake and stare at the ceiling and think about the answers. Yes. We're going to think about what Rainbow has done. All right, you guys. Thank you so much. Everybody have a good uh, next couple of weeks. And um, thanks for joining us on
1: Intention is Bye-bye.